0: This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community.
1: This is Alan Reader. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Orange Podcast, your weekly smidgen of stories from the people wandering the corridors of Orange City Council. Coming to you in a week where flooding up and down the coast of New South Wales has wreaked havoc and created damage that's going to take many more weeks to clean up. By contrast, in orange, we are still in a place where we're welcoming heavy rain, and the numbers look good. More than 100 millimetres in the three-day rain event this week – and in case you haven't heard, it's also clear we're on track for our wettest March on record. Orange's previous record for the month of March was 174 mm With days to go, we've already passed 230. It's good news for the city's water storage dams. Water treatment manager John Francis has that extra jaunt in his step this week. He's delighted to see what's the latest in a number of big
2: inflows in recent months. Yeah, it's been really nice to uh, see the clouds and followed up with that rainfall. Um, Obviously, haven't had as much as the rest of the state has or some parts of the state, but uh, look, in the order of about 100 mils, I think, is what people have been getting.
3: Now, when was the last time you saw such a large quantity of water heading into Sumer?
2: We've had a couple of good inflows um, over the last year. Probably the, the best one is about August of last year. So what I can tell you is that this week, and the rainfall, of course, was really nice because it came nice and steady over the week, over a few days, and uh, we, we saw about a 7% increase in, in Sumer Park Dam um, total water storage. So that's currently sitting at just under 60%. So that's, that's really positive for us. That equates to that 7% equates to about three to four months supply.
3: Have you ever seen anything like that in your career here? It can
2: happen. Um, We'd like to see it a little bit more over the next coming months, but uh, look, it it does happen. Uh, Last few years, we've had to wait a little bit longer than the average, but uh, very happy for it to be to see those inflows in the last couple of days.
3: Yeah, that's really excellent news, John. So, does that impact our outlook for as we? You know, we're heading into winter now, but summer will come around again. What are we looking at?
2: Right now, we're in Summer Park Dam. As I mentioned, we're at 60% and combined, which includes uh, in our considerations, Spring Creek Dam as well. So overall, we're in the order of about 67% um, as at today. And uh, those inflows are still happening, of course. So we're, we're still counting our percentages. Where that takes us into summer really depends on, and, and I'll be conservative here in, in what I'm going to call, but it depends on what happens in the next few months. So uh, the Bureau of, of uh, Meteorology has forecast a waning of the La Nina, which um, is across the eastern seaboard. So it's not just for orange, but um, in our forecasts, it means that we're getting back to more neutral conditions or... Maybe slightly wetter than neutral, so we we hope that that will be the case, and it certainly has been this week, and um, we wouldn't mind a little bit more of that. So what that means for summer really depends on what happens next, but um, right now we're heading in the right direction.
3: Could you give us an educated guess on what you think our storage might be by the end of winter? Are we thinking more 70%, 80%, or is it way too early to call?
2: Uh, look, I think we'll, we'll uh, get to seventy percent overall um, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, getting to the eighty percent, which is the permanent water saving standards figure, is would be really nice. Um, that, as I mentioned before, depends on what what the what happens with the weather over the next few months. Um, a little bit of winter rainfall would wouldn't go astray, and um, look at, it's, it's quite possible, and the forecast is leaning more towards slightly wetter um, than neutral at the moment and um, uh, yeah and so that it's, it's quite possible by summer we could be seeing that eighty percent mark, but it's too early to call at this stage.
3: How are orange residents tracking at the moment with their water use per day, and is it going along the trend that you would expect, or are we uh, still pretty cautious and doing all the right things?
2: Oh look! It's um, hats off once again to the Orange community. Um, we we've seen a, a quite a consistent water usage pattern. It, it does continue under level two restrictions, which is what we're on at the moment. Um, our target is two hundred and twenty liters per person per day, and we're in the order of one hundred and forty liters uh, per person per day. So it 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 continues to be. A credit to the community um, that they uh, use less water and going into winter, we'll, we will hope that that continues to be the case so it can set us up nicely for summer.
3: Going back to the issue of storage, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, the state is dealing with widespread flooding. Why is it that our catchment is still only at a combined 66%? Why are we not at 100 <laughs>
2: We just didn't get the rainfall that the rest of the state has got. Um, uh, we we have been watching the weather patterns as uh, as others have no doubt done as well, and um, we seem to be a bit in between. Um, you know, we're not arguing with a, a with the hundred mils that we've received. It's been really nice, and um, uh, we've had really good, uh, really nice, slow soaking rain as well. So. Uh, the sponge, being the catchment, is is nicely full at the moment. So any backup rain uh, will hopefully sheet off that we get in the next um, next couple of months. We we we're in autumn, obviously, and so um, we're not going to get that uh, that hotter temperatures drying drying out the paddocks, so that we um, so that, that that runoff is harder to achieve in a shorter time frame. So I think we set up nicely for that winter rainfall or rest of the autumn, let's be more confident, autumn rainfall in, and then into winter.
3: John, do you have any figures for our stormwater harvesting over the last few days?
2: Stormwater harvesting and the runoff from town, as people would see when when, when you're walking or driving around, has, has been up there. There's some, been some really good flows as well. Um, off the city so our holding dam so our storage dam is full it's actually overtopping at the moment so we've got a, um, a nicely charged uh, 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 bucket of water there if you like to um, send across to Summer park dam and we continue to do that we've been we've been doing that for months now and we will continue to do that and as we speak that's what we're doing
1: water treatment manager john francis was talking with comms team member nicole taylor You never know what you're going to see when you walk through the door of the Orange Regional Museum, and it gets even more interesting when the museum puts together an exhibition in cooperation with the regional gallery and a network of local schools. According to the museum's Engagement and Education Officer, Anastasia Freeman, the latest exhibition helps make the connection between the food we eat and the insects that fly past.
4: Pollinators, the exhibition, is part of um, an ongoing collaboration between the museum, um, Orange Regional Gallery, and also the Spark Network, which is uh, a network of, I think it's 14 different sc- local p- public primary schools. Um, so some of those schools are Anson Street School, Blaney, Bletchington, Boronor, Bowen, Calair, Claregate, Glenroy, Millthorpe, Molong, Mullion Creek, Dashdale, Orange East and Orange Public Schools. So the children um, in those primary schools uh, collaborated with us on this project and um, we provided an education kit. Um, So that's the museum and the gallery, provided an education kit um, for these students to teach them about the wonderful world of pollinators and pollination and what an amazing process that is. Um, and they, out of that, created an art activity where they provided us with roughly two thousand five hundred wings of four particular local pollinators. Where did the theme come from? We had ummed an odd about the theme for a little while before the the last um, uh, collaborative project involving um, our three groups. Uh, was called Regenerate um, and this was an amazing project that was also shown in the museum Um, and with Regenerate um, that was a focus on the bushfires and um, moving on and healing from the bushfires and um, how landscapes recover Um, so we wanted to do something slightly um, different this time and with Food Week coming up, um, we thought it would be wonderful to talk about pollination. So last year, obviously, um, the
5: Regenerate program got hit by covid and you had to sort of make it all very online. Did were you able to go into the schools a little bit more this year and and sort of have a bit more face to face contact with the kids?
4: No, unfortunately not. The um, uh, the project itself um, lends itself more to we create the education pack, um, and then it's the the teachers of those students that will use the education kit in their classrooms, and we provide a um, with the art activity where the wings were created. We we provided a um, video demonstration of how to do that art activity and then um, yeah it's the wonderful work of the teachers um, those primary school teachers who are kind of guiding the children through those activities that we've provided for them.
5: So what sort of educational activities did the children do in the classroom?
4: there were there were many different options so it could be um, dissecting a flower and actually learning the reproduction for process of flowering plants um, to get an idea of um, a deeper sense of how pollination occurs within the reproduction cycle of a flower um, And uh, some of the other activities involved going outside and doing a pollinator count as well. Um, So they're just two of the many activities that were in the education kit.
5: And the grand finale, the exhibition at the museum, it's quite an awesome sight. What has the reaction been from the public?
4: Really positive, yeah. And uh, it's been wonderful for students to come in and uh, discover where their artwork is placed in the swarm. Um, We also have some other interactive elements um, within the exhibition that have been uh, really uh, loved by visitors. Um, And over the weekend, we had um, many people through the door, which was a good sign. So families coming in, especially to see their children's artwork. Um, Also, the opening night went really, really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, the interactive elements of the exhibition uh, were lots of fun for families and
5: kids. So the interactive elements, they concentrate on four local pollinators?
4: There is a focus on uh, four local pollinators, the painted lady butterfly, the grey-headed flying fox, the red-bottle bird and the blue-banded bee, all of which are depicted in The Swarm, um artwork whereas um, another interactive element is um somewhat of a game for children to play where they have to uh identify and match uh local um uh flora that oh flowers flowering plants um and have to work out it's a game to work out how to pollinate those flowers so there's that and there's also another um interactive element where uh people can leave notes um, about what their plan is um, to, or how they can envisage they can help the pollinators in our region as well.
5: So we've got the school holidays coming up. What have you got going on down at the uh, Museum for Kids, these school holidays?
4: Uh, Yeah, so lots coming up this school holidays. So um, book in early because tickets are selling out fast, but we have uh, botanical drawing, mixed-media bats, bees um, and beetles, um, making seed bombs, and making a f- butterfly flutterby, um, which involves identifying local pollinating butterfly species. Uh, we might even, uh, if these sessions are booking out, then we might put on some more sessions. So uh, keep an eye out for waiting lists if they do sell out and make sure you add your name to that. So you can find um, all these uh, workshops in the school holidays um on the event um, calendar the council event calendar also um, check out uh, the gallery and museum facebook pages and also go to eventbrite and um, check out the orange regional gallery eventbrite as well
1: anastasia freeman was talking with coms team member Liv sergeant and uh, with a, a look back at some of the things happening this week at Orange City Council, CEO David Waddell. David,
0: you've been to Sydney this week. What's on down there? Well, I did go to Sydney and it was raining down there, as you know. Um, I flew over the flood area too. It's just terrible down there. Mm. Um, we were lucky with the rain. It was good rain for us, hey? free water. Um, Alan, you probably know what the numbers were. Did we make seventy percent?
1: It's we, certainly nice to be heading in that direction. We're
0: about sixty-seven,
1: sixty-eight. So, in a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks, a bit more rain and we're going.
0: Oh, it, it is great, and with a soggy, misty, typical Orange winter, you know, it should be. It'll bode well, as they say. I did go to Sydney. Um, went with the mayor. We went to a thing called Regional Cities, which is a grouping of Tamworth, Wagga, Albury, all those big regional cities. We met the deputy premier, who was very bullish about how good it is for the regions right now. You know, it'll never be better than this. There'll never be more money thrown at you. So make hay while the sun shines. On the flip side, we discussed when he left. We discussed things like housing shortages in the bush. Why won't you, you know, why won't you give us more money, appropriate money um, for all these problems that are starting to, to loom? We talked about um, NBN. We talked about the rate peg. We've just learnt that, you know, again we're we're stuck on about two percent rate rises. So you don't, you have have a lot of people coming in, but we've got a lot of infrastructure. We've got to build to to get ready for them.
1: There was some coverage of that rate, rate peg discussion. The government. On some instructions from the Productivity Commission, is trying to link rate pegging to population growth. Is that a good idea? Big picture.
0: Well, it depends. If you're a rate payer and you you know you think you're paying a lot, um, probably not. But there is some logic to it. It all goes on exhibition, so it'll come out in the wash. Um, yeah, linking it with population, it makes sense. It, you're a growth area. You need more infrastructure. You need to raise more money. Um, as long as it's not a cost shift from other taxes that. You know, that, that New South Welsh, Welsh men, as they say, and women pay. Anzac Day is going to happen. That'll be great. It is good, yeah. We met last week with the RSL. So it looks like there's going to be a dawn service and a 11 o'clock service with a minor a modest march,
1: and council will help them out in some respects. It's it's doing it COVID is more expensive, and it takes a bit
0: more manpower to do it. Yeah, we're helping them with planning and um, resources, no doubt. So that's that's good. It's great. And Food Week's coming up. Easter's coming up. It's all happening, as we often say in Orange. Um, I'm going to the Long Lunch in Sampson Street, which sound sounded pretty good. For people who don't know where that's going to be, where will it be, Dave? It's um in the in Sampson Street between Bing and Summer under those beautiful plane trees and they're going to have 300 people on a long table it sounded good, I got two tickets, why not hey? That's Orange Thanks Dave. Thanks Alan, enjoy yourself
1: Thanks for joining us for the show this week if you catch up with this show on Apple Podcasts, remember you don't subscribe anymore, I gather you'll need to follow us in future good luck with that Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.